everybody. Fan morning show. No Ben Ennis. It's got American family. Yesterday was American Thanksgiving. He has decided to use one of his vacation days to go shopping on Black Friday. So <laughs> good luck. Personally, sounds like something I would need a vacation day to recover from. But that's neither here nor there. Brent Gunning here, Jesse Rubinoff, chuckling in the background alongside me. Jesse, what's up? Gunner? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I didn't know Ben had uh, American family. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, good for him taking a vacation day to get some some shopping in today. Yeah, very much so. Uh, he needed it yesterday. Uh, for anyone who was listening uh, to the show, it sounded like he was uh, dying at various points and times really? throughout the show. Yeah, just uh, the old frog in the throat. Yeah. Uh, he several times throughout the show pulled a big, well, I shouldn't say several. It only happened once, but it was such a big power trip move. I need to mention it of just he went to take <laughs> a drink out of his water bottle, which he needed. Only to realize it was empty and looked at our, our wonderful producer, Jeff Azzo, behind the glass. And the problem is, is there's no good way to do this because, you know, like we're talking. So he just kind of had to do, bottle. yeah, like the jerk to the waiter move of like, <laughs> uh, hello. Hello, what is it? What is it you say you do around here? Could you? So, you know, I know, again, like there wasn't really any other way he had to go what about it. What was his it. facial expression like, though? Because I, I feel looked, like he, he looked embarrassed to be doing right. it. That helped. But again, like he still, he yeah, still he's did still, it. Still shaking the water bottle. So <laughs> always like to check in whenever I have anybody yeah, with me, even before, you know, this was uh, purely my domain. I am the morning guy. Like I, I truly am. My whole life, I've been a morning person early morning hockey practices of teammates being like, no more talking clear. A roll of clear will be used on your mouth. If you do not stop flapping those gums at five, something in the morning, what's your morning proclivity? Are you a morning guy, Jesse? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a morning guy or a nighttime guy. I'm just kind of, uh, I think the same, uh, all around really just all around. But I will say last night was, was rather difficult. Shutting I think her down. The, yeah. The one-offs, of waking up to do the morning show, mm. I mean, as I'm sure you can attest to, because you did a lot I've of it during the there. summer. It, that is when it can get challenging because uh, in my my other roles uh, here at Sportsnet, mm -hmm. I'm up till the wee hours yep. of the night, and then when you try and turn it around, mm -hmm. like I'm, I the Niners game ends last night, and I'm I'm sitting there rolling around mm. trying to fall asleep. But once you get in your head, you get in your own head, that's, and that's, that's that's when it's a bit of a disaster. So, but uh, you know what? It's all good, buddy. That Over is here, ready to go. That is a dangerous thing. If when you start thinking the like, I can't sleep, yeah. and then it's like you're never That's going horrible. to fall asleep. I have the exact opposite thing going on. It's like, please, okay, come on, stay awake during the Niners game. You can do it, <laughs> Bubba. You can make it to ten thirty or whatever time that game actually finished. Also, uh, I am among the world's most caffeinated men, so I didn't mm -hmm. need it. But just great move by your part of texting in to the fellas need coffee. Like, that that's is never gonna go wrong. You have a big. It's a big coffee cup. Yeah, right we'll there. look over here. I got two more. Two more. Yeah. What's the What's the coffee I intake make a, per I, day? I make a like a twelve pot like cup pot of coffee in the morning, and then I use most of it to fill the three thermoses you see before me. I leave about three to four cups of that for my wife. She's a cold coffee drinker. Okay, so she'll, that's, that's about eight. Yeah. And then that's usually it. I But when I was more of a like night owl, there might be a like five o'clock coffee mixed in there. Today, I've got to go no nap. So I'm thinking like a four o'clock coffee on. could so be you're had. Gonna, you're going to crush 
all of these? Oh, 100%. During this show? And the, so the problem, I mean, just, yeah, l- letting everyone know. So I have my thermos here. Uh, this is the one I like to drink out of because okay. it just has a little better mouthfeel for yeah. everyone out there. Uh, so this is the one I, I dr- one. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. the one I drink on the drive-in, yeah. and then during the break, because this one's already pretty much empty, I'm going to take one of these hot thermoses and pour it into the the that mug. That is a veteran. I move. like to drink out. It's not your first rodeo. No, it's not. Like again, like I don't prepare many things in my life. Almost nothing. It's like, hey, do you want to go on a vacation? Hmm, sounds terrible uh, <laughs> because I have to plan it. But this, I can definitely plan out ahead of time. So, so. how do you how do you how do you feel when you're done eight? Co- I've never heard of such a thing, honestly. Oh, I'm I not. Feel- I, this is a judgment free zone. I'm not no, judging I, you at all. But I mean, eight cups of coffee in the span of four hours is. I don't, Unbelievable. Oh, I, that's nothing. Like, it does nothing to you. I wouldn't say You don't have like heart palpitations, none of that. Only only uh, regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. That's the okay. only well, thing that, that gives sense. me heart yeah. palpitations. But yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I'm a coffee guy. You, well, I don't think it is. I'm probably going to have, <laughs> I think, I think honestly, if not that I want this to happen. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll lead a healthy, long life, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But if I keep this up, I am. You know, there's an old line in uh, the the great film uh, starring Emilio Estevez, Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. He said, what happened to your old coach? He said, I don't know. He's just yelling at us and his arm hurt one day and he fell down. That's going to be me talking <laughs> no. about the Leafs. Just full well, heart explosion in this show. Do you cap it? At coffee, if there's no, you know, supplement with energy drinks or anything I used like that. To, like throughout my teens and stuff, I was not a coffee guy. I was like, oh, give me, give me Red Bull, give me Monster, mm. da, 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 da. And now it's like, I can't do any of that anymore. It's just too, too sweet for, for yeah. me. So yeah. strictly a coffee Coffee's guy. Just yeah. delicious. That's so good. Although I will say there was also a time in my life and you're, they, if you want to judge me for this, you're allowed. Nah. They also have these like chocolate bars. I don't know what they're called, but they're effectively like a caffeine infused. I've seen these. Yeah. Like, Cause more I used recently, to, lately. when I used to work like, cause I used to do overnight updates, yeah. late night shows, Jays games, leaf games, whatever. It's like, I don't, I occasionally will sneak one of those while I'm, while I'm watching something. So yeah, your boy, uh, your boy loves caffeine. <laughs> I love it. Maybe just check with a doctor, but other than no, that, I actually—that's the thing. It's like the doctor is like, "How are you doing?" I'm like, uh, "Totally fine." Don't ask me about how much coffee I drink. That's fine. Because what? What? It's like I'm already as grumpy as possible. What do you think is going to happen if I cut back on caffeine? Like, surely not going to make me happier or anything like that. I don't that. find you grumpy. Oh, okay. Well, spend some more time with me. All right. Well, well three hours. I was going to say. It's uh, not like, it's not me, we haven't done this before. Ask me. Ask me. Um, <laughs> When the mic is not on, how I feel about the fact that I have to miss the first Leaf game in 10,000 years because my kid has a doctor's appointment today. So, yeah, if you want to hear me complain and be grumpy and uh, whine, I will gladly do that. But I'll try to keep it somewhat in the lines today. <laughs> All right. Love it. In terms of uh, Leafland, mm-hmm. it's like big news. Is it surprising news, though, in terms of what happens to John Klingberg? He goes on LTIR. Uh, the puff of white smoke came out of the Ford Performance Center or MasterCard, whatever they're calling it these days. And John Klingberg, for now, will no longer be a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, at least in terms of uh, helping them out on the field. First question to you, mm-hmm. are you surprised by this? Is this kind of where you thought it was trending all along? What was your first reaction when you heard the news? Yeah, I was not surprised at all. Uh, I know that with him being placed on the LTIR, he's not eligible to come back until December 12th. It feels like based on all the things we're hearing, that this is something that's been plaguing him for quite some time and it has gotten significantly worse since he's been a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And based on his play, it seems like it's something that's been hampering him. Yeah. I would, I don't know what the extent of the injury is. I'm not sure anybody does outside of the room, but I would not be surprised if he doesn't play again because 
for the sole reason that he has not been effective. Mm -hmm. And this team, it's not time to mess around anymore. This was a low risk move in the sense that you now can place that contract on LTIR. It's a one year deal. So at the end of the day, as long as Connor Timmons or whoever is going to be the next man up moving forward can step into that role and be better than Klingberg, then there's really no reason to have him come back. Yeah, I think the I think that's the interesting thing, and that's the question I still am a little cert- uncertain about is, okay, he's gone, and he's gone for the foreseeable future. Yeah. But is he gone forever? Are we sure about this? Because, you know, this uh, it's just a time issue thing. Let's say there's some surgery, which, again, we have no idea. We don't know what the issue is. Yeah. The team has not been super forthright. He has been forthright enough to say there's something. What and, and where and, you know, what bone is it connected to? We... Don't know. So I think the the thing that the Leafs have to, and again, this would all be like, I don't think they're going to be surprised by this decision that comes to fruition here. But if John Klingberg undergoes some procedure, there's no guarantee he can't be healthy by by the end of the regular season, meaning it could potentially gum up the Leafs cap picture. And this is the point I was making leading into the possible discussion about him going on LTIR. Him going on LTIR, if the team is still going through it in terms of trying to figure out how to get Reeves out of the lineup and who else to... But they were able to skirt that problem. Mm -hmm. All this does now is allow them to really have the room to breathe, but they can't go out and add anybody unless they know he's gone until the playoff time. And given the way he played... You can't have him come back in the playoff time if he hasn't played a game between now and then. There's no world where that can happen. So you really need the player... To, to buy in, and that's the question I still have about this. I don't think we're going to see him on LTIR yesterday and a trade today by Brad Living. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that if it does, then obviously we have our answer they there. Know, yeah. But I also think that they're probably going to slow play this thing. Part of it is that it's just hard to make a deal in the league, but I think part of it is also that there is still a little there. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a fork in the road moment for the team, for Klingberg, whatever in January, where they say, okay, how are things gone? Do you feel like the month and change has done you mm-hmm. some time or you want to give this another go? And then if you can't, then you do have to have whatever the, because you can't put them on LTIR, bring them back and then like put them on LTIR right away again without there being a reason. It'd be pretty sketchy. I'd be screaming about it if it happened from anybody else. So I think that's the interesting thing here is how do the Leafs look between now and whenever that fork in the road moment is. Maybe it's at the trade freeze right before Christmas. Maybe it's in the new year after they get back from that. But how does Connor Timmons, Simone Benoit, whoever it's going to be getting those looks, how do those guys look between now and then? That's the, the question that I think Tre Living has to kind of find out here. Well, it certainly helps that they're playing better, right? Like if, totally. this, if this was an issue and they prior to their winning streak, then I think there would be alarm bells going off. Okay, how do we make moves to try and improve the back end? But uh, irrespective of the fact that they can obviously be better on the back end than they have been, Mm. the team as a whole is performing. And all of this does is kick the can a little bit further down the road as the Leafs continue to pile up wins like they tend Mm -hmm. to do in the regular season. They're going to continue to do it. And it buys you more time to try and figure out what's going to happen with John Klingberg moving forward. Like, I, again, I don't. We don't know what the injury is, mm-hmm. but it feels like something that, because it's been bothering him for the duration of his career, that it needs to be addressed in some sort of major way. Because he's just he hasn't been the same player since he, this guy was a Norris yeah. 
candidate in 2018. It's five years ago. It's not that long ago. Yeah. The other part of it as well is that, you know, and I'm sure the physical is the prevailing issue, but I think they're totally entwined is that I don't know about you, Jesse. And, you know, no one's given me $4 million this year. So it's a, we're living a little bit of a different <laughs> life than John Klingberg here. But, you know, if you had a contract offer three years ago that would have changed your life forever and changed your kid's life, I don't know if he has kids, but, you know, you understand nieces, nephews, extended family. Mm-hmm. It changes everybody's lives forever. It sets you up in perpetuity. And again, he's making $4 million this year. This man isn't destitute. I'm not trying to make it seem that way, but that is set you up forever money. That's not, you know, as long as you're smart with it, that's not have to think about it again money. And I'd never be able to stop thinking about that if I was playing the way he did and had everything happen yeah. since that moment for him. And that's the other part of this is where I think I do wonder how much of the decision for LTIR one. I don't think if you're trying to get a guy to play ball, it's been it was honestly part of my belief of what might have happened here of saying, you know what, John, why don't you come on this Sweden trip and then we'll see where we're at when we get back? Because we know it's important to you. We know you want to come. Like mm-hmm. I don't there's no way he was going on LTIR before that trip. Mm-hmm. That was not happening. But now that you're back from it, I do think that it was the perfect kind of reset point and you hope that maybe he's in a better kind of headspace now to tackle you know, the rehab or whatever it is he needs to do to get right in this time that he's on, that he's on LTIR. Yeah. You've heard him over the course of his uh, little stint that he's had here as a Toronto Maple Leaf. He has been pretty open with the media in terms of speaking about how it's affected him mentally when Mm -hmm. he struggles on the ice. And he has said over the last number of years that he's felt like he can't get out of his own way at times that he can't keep up with the pace that he used to and all of those things I would imagine get traced back to his injury but also to your point mentally it begins to wear on you and yep. it becomes this like never-ending cycle of that you can't dig yourself out from under and that seems to be part and parcel of what's happening with John Klingberg here it's not only a physical issue it has become a mental issue because it has been four, almost five seasons now where the guy hasn't been the same player. To just, even if he gets healthy, it's not like he's going to be able to flip a switch and become a Norris yeah. Trophy defenseman again. Like, that, that's not going to happen. So the trajectory of his career has legitimately changed from where it once mm-hmm. was to the point where if he's healthy, he's going to have to almost prove again that he's capable of being an NHL defenseman. Because from what we've seen from him this yeah. season... He's not. Like, the Leafs had to shelter him totally. constantly. He wasn't good enough. If you had a healthy Connor Timmins, mm-hmm. this is a move that should have been, I mean, you, you signed him to a $4 million deal, so you have to give him some runway. Mm-hmm. But in terms of if you're going to suit up your sixth best defenseman, yep. he would not have been your sixth best defenseman. He would have been worse than that. No, I mean, again, like Simone Benoit is far from the answer for this team, but I liked what they got out of him for far, sure. far more than they got out of Klingberg. So, you know, I think a lot of people immediately go to the, okay, what do you, what, what's 4 million bucks get you? You got 4 million bucks of cap space all of a sudden. What is, what does that get you? Well, I mean, if you want to be cheeky about it, it's actually eight because the team could retain and then you get to four. So this is, I want to be clear. Uh, this is not me like unearthing every stone, but some cursory searching I did. So I pull up cap friendly. I look at players who are defensemen, who make 8 million bucks, who have, I did four years of term because you're not trading for a guy with a kajillion years. Even yeah. four years feels like a ton of term to trade for on this team. And then I did just like standard contracts. So this isn't guys on ELCs. This isn't guys who are 35 plus. And then I sorted it by points. 
for all the players that that would apply to. And do you know who's second in points among all the defensemen Give that fit that criteria? It's John Klingberg. That's the guy. Now, obviously, you're not going out to get a defenseman to rack up points or anything. <laughs> but then I thought, okay, so like, let's just let's look at time on ice, right? Like, that's a better metric of, in terms of just, like, guys who are at least playing for the teams. Well, John Klingberg's third in that <laughs> metric. The two guys above him have played uh, two and three games, respectively, this year. So it's just, it's a... You know, don't all of a sudden think that this is the breaking of the dam and the Leafs can, like, yeah, they can go out and get a Tanner. They can go and get a Dezorov. This allows them to do those things. But don't think that those players are just out there ready. I mean, look how hard the Matias Ekholm trade was to make for the Oilers last year. Yeah. Look how big a swing the Jake Muzzin trade, who, and again, you know, I know we've done revisionist history on it now because of the concussion issues that the player had and the way it ended for. But think about how important that guy was when they made that trade here. So that's the other part of this as well is good. Like Treliving has done a fine job or Klingberg has done a fine job extricating Treliving from the spot he was in by signing him to that contract. But that's the other thing I think that is going to be the interesting kind of talking point out of this. And obviously the answer to this question lies in what, if anything, they're able to do via trade with the blue line. But, you know, Kyle Dubas had some mistakes that he had to make disappear. Mm -hmm. Nick Ritchie, to his credit, he was actually able to turn into Ilya Labushkin somehow. It was like really nice piece for this team. Played yeah, well he with Morgan. Yeah, draft pick, yep. which is, yeah. And then, well, no, the draft pick was to the Peter Mrazek trade, and he moved back six, seven spots and got Fraser Minton, who, mm -hmm. hey, Fraser Minton might never be anything. He's probably going to play for Canada at the World Juniors this year. We shall see. But what is the opportunity cost that was lost by Brad Living doing that? You know, the name I keep bringing up who, again, he hasn't been having a stellar year, but it's Matt Dumba in Minnesota, or mm -hmm. sorry, in Arizona. The Leafs, Dumba, they believe to have kind of mutual interest. Dumba was asking for more money. He ends up taking less money than even Klingberg got. So I think that's one where maybe both sides would have loved to have had a do-over. Not that Dumba's really regretting things. Arizona's going well there. But that's the other part of this as well, is I'm very curious to see of kind of what, Living is able to do with this money if it is there for the whole season because otherwise that's a massive opportunity cost miss like that was the first you know Ryan Reeves was actually the first deal he signed but that was also on the first day of free agency that was the first yeah. piece of business yeah. done and again not to say that it would have set the world on fire the other moves he would have made but you know you could have given Luke Shen and I'm not advocating for doing this but you know Luke Shen makes less money than Klingberg it's on more term could you have just done that? Could you have gone higher AAV shorter term to help get Shen somewhere closer to where you wanted to be? And again, I'm not saying that's the be all and end all move, but I think that's the other way you have to look at this is the, it's not just the, okay, good. You're able to do something with this space now, but what was the opportunity cost of those moves made? Yeah. I wonder how many guys were out there that legitimately moved the needle. I think Luke Shen was someone who proved to the Toronto Maple Leaf fan base once again, that he could be effective but it obviously didn't work out here like I think when I evaluate this move for Bradshaw living I think the fact that it was only a one-year deal really mitigates mm -hmm. the issues that I have with it because essentially putting him in LTIR now and obviously it remains to be seen how long he's going to be on LTIR but it sort of renders the move kind of risk-free and you were taking a swing on a guy who hasn't been the same player in a few years but had the pedigree. And I think you thought if he can get into a new situation and sort of get back to the player he once was, then that's a gamble I'm willing to take on a one year deal. Like this isn't a Matt Murray situation where it's a number of years and the guy had a really, really bad injury history. And you sort of had the writing was on the wall that it was kind of going to end in that kind of way. 
this is just a one-year deal mm -hmm. and mistakes can happen, but mistakes when they are limited to only this time frame for me are not that detrimental to the team in the long run. So I, I don't hold him responsible necessarily for this situation in the sense that he's, he's able to get out from under it a little bit here. Yeah, it'll be, I, I do hold him a little more responsible. Obviously it'll depend on what happens as a result of this. And you know, part of that's going to be how Connor Timmons slides in. I think, I, I do think in a perfect world, I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, they'd love Connor Timmons to step in and set the world on fire. Let's hold our breath on that. I don't think that's exactly going to happen. Mm. But they would love him to be... Similar just, player. Just Yeah, they, they are. I mean, yeah. he's not the skater, but it, he can snap it around. He picks up points in the in the way he would, but Klingberg ain't the skater he used to be either. So it's like they're both John Klingberg exactly. without the skating now. Uh, the difference is one of them's used to being that guy. Uh, <laughs> the, other one, the other one's not. But I think they would love Timmons to come in and just be... A stabilizing force is even too strong of a term, but just a totally fine body, let them catch their breath, let them breathe, see what's up with Klingberg, get a little closer to that date of that fork in the road moment, be it when he's eligible to come off LTIR, be it a little bit longer than that and see where you're at. And also just let the idea of buyers and sellers be not that the Leafs aren't are unclear as to what they are. They're a buyer, obviously, but let a little more, a few more defined sellers kind of, you know, come out in the wash as we get a little closer to Christmas, as we get closer to the new year, these types of things start to happen. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see, to see how all, all of that looks as well. Um, the other thing that I think is going to be really interesting to see with this group. And if you're going to tell me, you know, uh, I'm telling you, you're a liar is what are they going to look like coming out of this trip? I was, I was the town crier. I was full Paul Revere of like the British is coming. I was chicken little, of like the sky <laughs> is falling in terms of this trip. Thought it was going to go terribly. And I mean, they did play terribly. They just happened to win both the games that they played bad in. I am really curious what, what this Leafs team is going to be coming out of this trip. I mean, if you want to tell me this is a trap games, trap game, I will very much be here for it the first game back after a week long layoff where you're coming back and everyone's been telling you, you're so great for a week and you have a date with your former GM waiting the next night. It's the first half of a back to back. It's a weird start time. Like this feels like the ultimate trap game to me. And this Leafs team has been so guilty of falling victim to them in the past. I'm, I'm very curious to see like what version of this Leafs team we, we get of them coming out of this trip. Yeah. I think one of the frustrating things over the years for this Leafs team is while they get the results, they feel like they often rely pretty heavily on the talent that they have and the top end talent to kind of squeak by. Mm -hmm. And then there has to be this sort of switch that's flipped come playoff time. And aside from the one playoff series win, they haven't been able to do that. And I think what you're looking for is more consistency, more kind of starting on time mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And it just, it feels like it's been forever since they've been a team that has been as consistent as they can be. It's nice to get victories yep. when you're not playing your best. But I think everyone watching would prefer them to be playing better mm -hmm. than just squeaking by teams that they should be probably pretty handily. Yeah, the other the other thing about this Leafs team is that, you know, generally speaking, when they've had a news cycle of getting, you know, dragged through the mud, they bounce back pretty well. It's yeah. when it's been this news cycle that they've maybe not done as well. I, you know, I think the Sweden trip, 
this has the potential to be a, oh, no, what happens coming back moment here. You know, Guy Boucher, he was on that. He was the head coach of that Sens team. The stats been bandied about a million times. They lost 12 of 13. I don't think that's going to happen here. But, you know, it almost... I know they were there for work. I know they were there to play, but you see the quotes coming out of these guys. Like it really feels like they just had a vacation in the middle of the season. And you know, like I really feel like there's two types of people in the world. There are people who truly get refreshed and invigorated by a vacation and are like, okay, I am now ready to go back and do my life's purpose. And there are people who go on vacation and go, why do I ever work? Why isn't this life all the time? And it takes them. Which one are you? I don't go on vacation. I'm the third (laughs) kind, I guess. I just don't go on vacation. But I honestly think that... Which one are you? Yeah, I I have a lot of vacation days left. I haven't taken vacation either. So I think that's the the thing I'm worried about, is that this Leafs team is... And it's not even a take their foot off the gas, but it's just the season has been disrupted in such a way and they're thrown into the blender here. You know, the Blackhawks, I'm not going to pretend they're some world-beating team. Taylor Hall's done for the year. Corey Perry is uh, in parts unknown at at this current time. No one knows what's what's going on with them at any any given moment. So I'm not going to, you know, like Connor Bedard, yeah, he's a nice player. They shouldn't lose to the Blackhawks twice this season. Like, I'm not giving them excuses for this game, but it just feels like a team that is ripe for a run of, of rough play here. Like, I'm not, I'm not calling them to go full Oilers here, but, man, the, the idea of this kind of trap part of the schedule, I, I'd be lying if it doesn't terrify me. What is the thing that scares you the most about this team in general, well, I think I think it's just the the fact that we can see the Jekyll and Hyde from them at so often. Like we again, like how many times have we had a week or two weeks going? Oh, this is not good enough for this team, and then they have one game against the Columbus where you're like, this will be the night, and then they lay another egg. And then Boston's waiting the next night. Mm. Or, for this example, Pittsburgh is waiting on Saturday night. And then they rise completely to the occasion. I think that's the thing that worries me the most. I mean, there are actual roster construction things that worry me. The defense worries me. The goaltending doesn't worry me nearly as much as some. But I'd be lying if I told you I was wholly confident in that goaltending tandem. So there are actual roster things. But it just seems like over the course of this team, and this isn't a Sheldon Keefe thing. This This was a Mike Babcock thing. Of it just seems like every time you're you're waiting for them, they do the exact opposite. There is just so much Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde in them. The other thing I'd say is that you, you know, like the Nylander point streak has been an awesome thing that's kind of buoyed them along, but it is also kind of papered over. And I know Matthews and, and Marner had the one game over there in Sweden. And I think this is the other part of it is it just, it feels like it's been so long since we've had an Austin Matthews game. And it has, that's not necessarily his fault. They played two games in Sweden. Everybody yeah. was in a weird time zone, but it's been three weeks since we've had one of those games now. So that's the other thing I think I'd kind of like to see. And, you know, I know I'm getting getting super picky here asking for the $13 million center to have a great game. but And not that he hasn't. Like, he's been a tremendous player. But I think that's the thing. That's the most fun part of this team is that those two top lines, when this team is, I mean, when it's its fully formed version of himself, they're both going nuts at the same time sure. and it's completely sure. unstoppable but the way this team is constructed it's if you can have one of the bottom six lines and one of the top two lines going at any given time you're probably going to be pretty happy with how it's going and the good thing is is that they seem to have found something with that fourth line third line cooled off a little in sweden but again i'm gonna i'm not gonna read too much into those games but if i'm not gonna read too much into those games they haven't played a game that matters or feels competitive or ever you want to look at it in 
almost two weeks now or so it's just that is the thing I keep coming back yeah, to is the no. scheduling and just how odd it is I have sort of this, a similar inner monologue when I watch this team it's like when they're winning games and the top guys aren't performing to the best of their abilities outside of Nylander obviously I'm like well isn't that kind of what you want isn't that what we've been asking for for the last number of years is that if Matthews isn't going and they're still winning that's kind of best case scenario because yep. you know that at the end of the day, most likely he is going to be going. So I struggle with that. It's like, okay, that's really good if, if they're winning games without their top guys being the best that they can be. But also on the other hand, don't you want Matthews yeah. and to be the best that they can be all of the time? And I just don't know if that's totally realistic. No, it's, it's not like if they, I mean, Austin Matthews, it's more expected for him to be a quote-unquote streakier player. That's yeah. how goal scorers are. Like, go look at them all throughout all of time. Even the guy who we all forget is the best goal scorer in, in Wayner. okay? Like, they're all streaky. They all have runs. That's what happens. I think the... The difference is, is that with that line, and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into a, a him or him, a this, a one guy versus the other thing, but it's with Marner. Like he has been a step below what you've consistently expected of him this year. And guess no what? Doubt. That's been fine. Quite honestly, if he wants to save it for the year where we have to have a contract conversation in the off season, picked a great year to do it. But that's the other part of that line that just hasn't quite been been going. Although I will say I love the addition of Nyes there. The, and the other thing I, I will say about uh, this group as well, and it just it feels like it's been so long since we talked about the actual team. You know, we're going to dunk on on Trilliving for the Klingberg signing, and rightfully so. He should wear that one. Uh, Max Domi, you know, I think the jury's still a little bit out there in terms of what he is. If 3C is like the long-term role for him, but he's really helped this team at a time when they needed him. And Bertuzzi, you know, he seems to have got out of that funk. Yeah. Let's hope it continues. Again, it's been a week since any of these guys played played a hockey game. Let's hope he's able to continue that uh, because you, you'd love to see him kind of find a home. And especially think about how foul money it is. If you paid a guy five and a half million bucks and you say, okay, like that's going to be good. He's going to be with Matthews and Marner and that'll work. Well, if you don't have to happen with him, it's even better because then it just allows you to spread the wealth around your team a little more. So yeah, I'm, that's, that's the thing I'm maybe most curious to see is in, in tonight's game. I shouldn't narrow it down to one thing, but I honestly do think if I'm going to pick one guy, maybe it's Bertuzzi. Can he continue to have that kind of that pop, that jerkishness to him that he seemed to have a bit in the, uh, yeah. in the Sweden games? I, I I've been very vocal. I think um, over Sheldon keeps time mm. here as coach of the Maple Leafs that he, he, Goes to the blender a lot with his mm -hmm. lines. He does. And I feel like that doesn't give the guys the best opportunity to develop chemistry mm -hmm. moving forward. And even the top line, you look at it from where we started the season to where we are now. You've had Yarn Croak on the top line. You've had Tyler Bertuzzi on the top line. Yep. And now it finally feels like over the last five games or so, they've sort of set on this lineup that they have. And you're starting to see results. I think... I mean, I'm not an NHL coach, mm -hmm. obviously, but I do think it's human nature when you start to get a little bit more comfortable with guys, you're yep. going to perform better. And finally, it seems to have four lines here where they can actually, you know, get to know each other's habits a little bit more and perform it. And you're seeing it. Nyes on the top line has been a, a fabulous addition. I think a lot of people expected that to eventually mm -hmm. be the case. And now it's turning out well in Bertuzzi. Tavares and Nylander have looked great. So, yeah, I think finally just let these guys play it out for a bit. And if it goes wrong for yeah. a period or a game or mm -hmm. even two games, Gunner, just let it happen. That ain't going to happen. I'll just tell you that right now. That's <laughs> not going like, to happen. It's just let it happen for a game. It's will, not that big of a deal. I will say that I think the reason why it's a little different is if you look at some of the three and four centers that he has had in the past, it's been much more of a... 
carbon copy of one another, or it's like David Camp and the lesser version of of David Camp. Max yeah. Domi, very different player. So I think he kind of has to construct those lines in a way that makes more sense. Whereas in the past, it real like unless he is going to go, which again, it's not out of the cards for him, unless he's going to go full nuclear and just all right, Domi's on the left side again, and we're moving Nylander to center. Like unless you're going to do that, it does kind of have to be this way. I mean, you could do the thing we always talk about of flipping Nylander and Marner, or you can flip Nyes and Bertuzzi, or you know, if you want to put Yarncroc up top, you can do these things. But it's not nearly the. It, it doesn't. It, it's funny because just by changing what type of center your three C is and having a more kind of offensive winger in, in Nick Robertson, Robertson there, yeah. it really does kind of put the shackles on him a little bit. And I do wonder if there's something to, you know, most people, generally speaking, they're better when they have more freedom, better to make decisions. But we all know there's people in our lives who it's like, hey, just do this, okay? Don't, no. When you start making decisions, when you start audibling, let Peyton Manning yell Omaha. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not for you. Uh, lots more to talk about in, in Leafland today. Going to talk about goaltending as well. Uh, shocker. They're going to split the starts in a back-to-back. Uh, that's the goaltending in 2023. Can we read anything into it? Uh, we'll get into that. I have more complaining to do about the NHL <laughs> schedule. I made a wonderful American Thanksgiving dinner. I will be bragging about that when we come back, and we're going to talk about a wonderful day of football. Fan morning show, Gunning and Rubinoff, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Frank Gunning, Jesse Rubinoff here, just uh, continuing to peruse. Uh, I know it's too late for this. It already happened. But peruse the defenseman UFA market from last year. The one name that continues to jump out at me, because so many of these are three-year deals. And yeah. you, you understand why that wasn't happening. But And I still don't think there was a way this one could have happened. But Dmitry Orlov signed with the Canes. Two years carries a cap hit of seven point seven five. He was the premier, but man, and and again, like I'm sure they asked. I'm sure they kicked tires. But if you're somebody like Orlov, who clearly is taking a two year deal with the impetus of let's ring this bell one more time because he's 31 years old, so it's like let's do this when I'm 33 as opposed to one last banger here. Mm Obviously, a team like Carolina that is thought of to be very well defensive structured, typically make deep runs. They have a loaded blue line. That's going to set you up very well for success. But that's what we always hear about Toronto as well, right? Like that's part of the Klingberg of it all. Why he wanted to come here was that if it goes well here, you're going to now, if it goes poorly, you see what's happened uh, the other way. But yeah, that's the name I keep coming back to. Like, I don't think it could have worked. But if you just kind of very, very quick math, you know, you add the 1.3 million of Ryan Reeves to John Klingberg's 4.1. And all of a sudden, you're only $2 million away. And you could have maybe, maybe found a way uh, to get that done. But that's one I keep coming back to. Uh, anyways, hit us up on the text line, 590-590. Please include your name and location. There's a lot to get to today. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, I just, you know, it's American Thanksgiving or it was, as I like to call it yesterday, Thursday, but I always got very jealous on American Thanksgiving. <laughs> I have been banging the drum forever. Uh, and this, I, I think it's now official. It'll never happen. But back when, you know, we were a proper nation and the NHL season used to start at the beginning of October instead of like three weeks into it. 
I was constantly complaining for a quadruple header. Well, it was a triple header, and then uh, and, and then Seattle happened, so it made everything nice and easy. Yeah. But a quadruple header of Canadian hockey on Thanksgiving. That's what I always wanted. And instead, on American Thanksgiving, they give me no hockey. And I understand. <laughs> no I, basketball either. I understand. Okay, I get it. Like, you get out of the way of the beast that is the NFL. But then, why do the Leafs play it? Two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, right up against an NFL game, Jesse. Like, it does not make a lick of sense to me. I understand. Schedule matrix, it's difficult. It's hard to fit all this in. But I see that yesterday. It is the second day this week we had no hockey. Tuesday is the one day, along with Wednesday, I guess, that you never have to compete with the NFL. Unless the Monday nighter has like gets like earthquaked out or something like that. But generally speaking, Tuesday never have to compete. They had no games on Tuesday. Thursday. I, to a certain extent, understand it, although, you know, just like have games in Canada, I guess, although the Americans want all the games on Friday. Like, <laughs> this is the other part of it I always have a problem with, and I like, I'm very much of two minds of it. I understand. Grow the game. Grow the cap. More money into the coffers, especially for the Leafs, is always a good thing. But I can't look at it as any other way than a slap in the face that because it's American Thanksgiving, we can't get any hockey on Thursday night, and a big part of that is because... All the American teams, as many of them as possible, want a home game on a Friday afternoon because apparently that's a great date for them. Like, it's people are off. It's a good day to have an afternoon hockey. Okay, fine. I can hear all that. But it doesn't mean that there couldn't be six games in Canada on a Thursday. That is the part of this that just drives me to to no end. And I'm very conflicted because, again, I understand. Like, the more people that watch hockey on ESPN, Mm -hmm. the better it is for the league the better it is for the cap. And the better it is for the cap, the better it will always be for the Leafs. So I'm very conflicted of this. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know how I want to feel. I want to be angry and I want to complain because I'm a grouch, as you'll learn. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, every time we have something like this where I can understand the idea of, like, stay away from the NHL or the NFL, there's one game at night. There's a game in the afternoon, and we ain't staying away from it this afternoon. It's just, it does not make a ton of sense to me. I got to be honest, Jesse. Yeah. This is a, so this is the first Black Friday football NFL game, game, right? Yeah. yeah. And surely they'll just do a one-off, and that'll be it. They're not going to expand <laughs> this next year to a doubleheader on Black I Friday, I do wonder right? where that ends for the NFL. Like, at what point do you... I think I think they I think they're just gonna keep taking every like why like I think Tuesday and Wednesdays will always be a tough sell, just because of the like the time the body needs to get ready to play an NFL oh, game. Sure. But the schedule becomes impossible the second, at that point. The second college football goes away, they're like uh, Saturdays are ours too now. By the way, just for the record, we're gonna have Saturday games as well. It's like Christmas with your family. We're gonna have a game. There is no but there's no time that the NFL will not get their hooks into and take and make it theirs. So I understand to a certain extent trying to stay away from it or trying to shy away from it, but you you can't run from the NFL forever. And the NFL is like, it's like water. It's like, it's like 70% of it is. It's like the old joke about a great NFL quarterback. It's like 70% of it is water. The rest of it is blah, blah, blah. It's the NFL schedule is what covers everything in the sporting calendar. No, it is a really good point because the, the NHL plays on Wednesday and Friday. So it's not like you have time to go hang out with your no. family on American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like that's not the way it works, no, right? It, does, I, it just, okay. It just drives me nuts. Now, also speaking of American Thanksgiving, we had a wonderful day of football yesterday, but yeah, that's, not, that's not what I want to lead with. I don't really, you know, it's nice. We'll talk about that in a sec. 
I want to talk about my exploits in the kitchen. <laughs> are you are you a chef? Not really. Only for only for like very specific things. Okay. Uh, base, basically this. Like I can make like a night. I could do breakfast. Like I'm a big breakfast guy. Or I could do like a fancy. No, nah, I shouldn't even say fancy because it's not like I'm doing like a crown roast or like uh, or like duck or anything <laughs> like that. But it's like yeah, I can marinate a roast. Throw it in the oven, get some veggies going. Did a little Brussels sprouts with some bacon. Did a little homemade mac and cheese. Because wow. I always, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I, and I feel like it's chilled out, maybe, or I don't know, like Twitter's just a weird place now, is maybe what it is. But I feel like my algorithm used to just be hammering me with the most delicious looking food, all American Thanksgiving, and I just, by the end of the day, I couldn't take it anymore. So now I just <laughs> get ahead of it. And I just make myself Thanksgiving dinner every Thursday. I go home, football, especially the morning show now, go home, football's on, get to work. And then this is the other part of it. Wait it's a like, second. Every Thursday or every No, no, no. American every Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. oh my uh, God. Could you like, imagine oh, I like, if I was the most gluttonous man of all time? <laughs> no, but then the other part of this, the other part of this as well that is so good is that I'm doing it for me. Like, I'm the one who wants to eat the roast and the potatoes and da da. But then, like, my wife comes home from work and it's like, oh, that smells so good. It's like, I'm the husband of the year. And it's like, yeah, totally did this for you. Not me at all. <laughs> so it's like, it is the ultimate win, win, win for, for all involved. And I just, uh, you know, I'm proud of myself. That I is, need to no, brag a little. That is really impressive. Do you do the same thing for a Canadian Thanksgiving or just American? No, my wife takes care of uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. Because right, then, then, see, this is the thing is that. I do it for myself and anyone she who lives in my domicile. Right. She's like, we should invite your mother over and my parents should come. And I'm like, all right, I'm not involved with this anymore. I, I will like, I'll be around. I'll be cordial, but I'm not involved with cooking for an army that. like this. Okay. So you, you don't make stuffing. No, I don't. I don't. That is the, cause I don't do Turkey. Like I'm not a, I am not a big Turkey guy myself. Like when I go to my mom's house for like our Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, it's like, yeah, my wife, she makes a stuffing. Sure. But for me, not a, uh, not an item I'm, I'm cooking up there. It is one of my favorites, but it's I so don't, good. it is, it is. You call it stuffing as opposed to dressing. Know, really? Yeah. I don't even really know what it is. It's just, I've, like, I've never personally made stuff. It's just before. like I've, bread and there's goodness in there. I yeah. mean, it's bread and goodness. Just don't ask We're, questions. No, honestly though, <laughs> if I, if I were to describe a food item to you, like bread and goodness, you're in that is, immediately. Yeah, yeah. How good does that sound? Bread, bread is so good. Bread is on the, I think Mount Rushmore oh, foods. For me. I love it. Like it's a amazing. good, yeah. A good bread. Yeah. Yeah. Love a good bread. Uh, uh hold on. One more thing yeah, on, on Thanksgiving. No, definitely. I, I think until last week when I was, I think hosting a show with, uh, show Ali. Okay. I don't think I realized what turducken actually was. Oh, you didn't? I thought you it was just, thought just it was like, like John a, a Madden's word. way of saying like, like the boom, Thanksgiving boom, turkey. Boom, 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 boom. Right. You just thought it was exactly. like one of those. Exactly right. And it turns out it's actually what it sounds like. Yeah. Turducken. Yeah, it's a chicken turkey, and a duck and a turkey. And duck. I had no idea that's what it was. And then seeing it, uh, Greg Olson was just like on the Fox broadcast, just I, like tearing was, into the turducken. I was like, what the heck is going on here? I thought he was going to get like an FCC yeah. violation for, <laughs> yeah. for doing that it's on television. television. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, I, so I finally know what turducken is. So it's is. funny, Ben and I were talking about that yesterday. He's yeah. like, oh, is that what it is? You see the turducken and you have to, I'm like, God, no. It's like the turducken cards on the table, the most disgusting sounding thing I've ever, it's like, I'm with you. Buddy, I'm with you. I love to like eat 
meat, okay? I am like a beef guy. I love it. I will go to a buffet and it's like, oh, what types of chicken do you have? Give me all of them, okay? So like this isn't me being like, oh, it's too gluttonous. No, it just sounds disgusting. There's a thousand legs going on. It looks like it's in some some position I don't want to be talking about at 649 in the morning. I don't like it. I'm out on the turducken just so we're just so I'm, we're I'm also not alone because I just Googled turducken yeah. and one of the first things that comes what up is on Google it? is did John Madden invent I think he did. Turducken? I think he did, didn't he? The story is not completely okay. clear. All right, is what it says. Uh, TBD. We'll, T- we'll TBD. maybe we'll yeah. maybe have an answer on that. Uh, by... Shep in Louisiana claims he oh. uh, he created it in in 1960s. Mm. Okay, so, yeah. I got to be honest. Jury's out. Gonna go with John on yeah. that one. Uh, <laughs> it's like, did you invent it? If somebody else popularized it, I guess you did. I don't know. Thomas Edison might have a thing to do or say about that. Okay. <laughs> One last note, just a text on the text line. American players won't want to play for Canadian teams if we make them play on American Thanksgiving. Right, because, you know, like American players famously love coming up here to play. You want the smoke or you don't, is kind of my opinion on that matter. It's like the idea of playing in Canada is something that is super enticing to you because you play in a market that matters or maybe you have a chance to win or it doesn't. Like the idea of... Again, like, oh, we'll make them play on American Thanksgiving. Guess what? What are they going to do? Have no jobs in the league? If the league plays games on American Thanksgiving, that's what you're you're going to do. The American football players are playing. It, yeah, it is. Like, well, I mean, that's like the thing, the thing but for them, also right? not with their families on that day, too. But again, this is why I think, like, I saw somebody take my Canadian quadruple header plus Seattle, and they said, why don't they just do that? On American Thanksgiving, like just have all the games be in Canada. Sorry, Seattle, you got to come up here. I would love that personally. Never going to happen. Never, never, ever going to happen. We're going to talk to Charles Davis in a couple minutes here on the NFL. But I was thinking about this watching the last of the three games last night. And I'll I'll talk to Charles about this in a second. But, you know, for for me, the perfect football machine going, and it's easy to say this because they beat the Chiefs last weekend, but I've been saying it all season long, is the Eagles. But the 49ers are as close a second or right in that conversation for a lot of people. But where would they be if they never made their Christian McCaffrey trade? Mm. Like they have a lot of other weapons on that team. And I know some of them banged up right now. Like they have IU, they have Samuel, they have other playmakers, but guy scores a touchdown pretty much every, every game. game. He has missed one this season without a touchdown. He is so productive. He is the ultimate safety valve type player. Like for a team that feels so ready built and perfect. If you take that one ingredient away, I'm not saying by any means it all falls by the wayside because they were a pretty good team before they got him. But I honestly do wonder if we don't quite talk enough about, you know, in a league where trades of star players, like quarterbacks, it happens. Occasionally you'll see like a pass rusher on the end of their deal. Okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. But it doesn't really quite happen this way. And where would the 49ers be if they didn't make that swing? They'd be fine, but they wouldn't be this, I don't think. No, they certainly would not. I mean, there are people out there that are saying that Christian McCaffrey deserves MVP consideration, and I'm probably one of them, although I do think the MVP has morphed into more of a quarterback award. I don't think there's any question totally. about that. Uh, Adrian Peterson is the last non-quarterback to win the award in 2015, but he does things that there just are not many running backs in the National Football League that can do what he mm-hmm. does. His ability to catch the ball, his ability... like. The second touchdown run he had oh, yesterday, I know. where he stuck behind the line of scrimmage, Man. and you're like, "Oh, that's a that's a loss of three yards." Nope. And he waits and waits and waits, and then breaks it through for a touchdown. Yeah. That is a type of play where you're actually like, 
whoa, this guy might actually be mm -hmm. the MVP of this league because he completely flipped the game on its head. Things were looking good for the 49ers, and he basically destroyed the Seahawks in yeah. one play. And that's the type of thing that really makes you think. And they hadn't lost a regular season game until week six mm -hmm. since the time they acquired him. Like yeah. They are a different beast with C Christian McCaffrey. I will say a lot of it hinges on the play of, of Brock Purdy because he had that little mini slump there for, for sure. three weeks or so. But the last number of weeks here, he has bounced back in a massive way. And I think what it does also, mm -hmm. Gunner, is it alleviates a lot of the pressure on McCaffrey too. It opens up things for him because you mentioned that they have such great yeah. weapons. Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Yeah, yeah. If you have all of them working in concert, then it just yeah. Who, how can you how do you stop them? It's yeah, impossible. And then it's like you got the mad scientists pulling the strings or pushing the buttons, depending yeah. on which uh, metaphor you want to go with there in Shanahan. But, you know, again, we, we sometimes talk about draft capital and in the NFL, we do it in such a way. But like I'm just pulling it up. I kind of forgot what they gave up for him. A second, a third, a fourth and a fifth. It's like that's a draft. I realize that like that's not nothing, but. Didn't give up a first round pick for Christian McCaffrey. Yes, it's Christian McCaffrey. And, and a second round pick's not nothing, but like the idea of spreading that wealth around and you're a team that's ready made to win now. Like the, again, it's like this should just be something that informs whatever five years from now's version of the 49ers is. Because there's going to be a player like this. You know, who knows? Maybe it's B. John Robinson in, <laughs> in, in Atlanta there where it's just like never, never really comes to anything. They have their little run and they say, all right, where do you want to go? You want to go find a team? Somebody should make this Christian McCaffrey trade the next time one yeah. of these guys is available. Because we always talk about it of, man, that's nuts. And I bet you at the time people were saying, wow, nearly a whole draft for McCaffrey. That's kind of insane. No, it's not. Look at what this team is with them. It's really interesting because it, it could work out the other way too. Like you look at the Russell the Wilson Williams. deal, yeah, the, the Deshaun Williams, Watson deal. One, yeah. Like there are a number of deals where it hasn't worked out. And we look at the Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson deals as like arguably two of the worst deals in the history. First round picks though. Of the NFL. First round picks. So that's a massive, I don't yeah. understand how they could have traded running back. away. It's, a, it's, the, it's the exact thing that happened with, I'm um, totally blanking on the guy's name in, in Indy this year, Jonathan Taylor, where it's like, if, if I'm saying I'm not going to pay you, how much can I possibly ask Acquire, another team right. to give me for you? So, yeah, uh, just something I, uh, came to my mind watching it. You know, really illuminating observation for me that Chris McCaffrey, good at football. Uh, we will have perhaps <laughs> deeper insights from Charles Davis coming up. Again, hit us up on the text line, 590-590. Please include your name and location. We'll have Charles Davis coming up, and, you know, we'll have football questions for him, but... Did he have Thanksgiving dinner yesterday? Sure. He's a traveling man on American Thanksgiving. We've got to talk to him about that. Fan Morning Show continues next with Gunning and Rubinoff on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan.